Hey guys, this is your girl, Diva D. You are now tuned in to the Diva Den Show here on Anchor FM and Spotify Podcast. I want to say good evening. Uh, happy Thursday to you guys. And today's topic is basically, um, I'm going to talk about an article that I ran across on the Daily News, as well as I want to pretty much finally voice my opinion and how I pretty much was able to um, look at this D.L. Hughley and Monique, you know, uh, confrontation. You know, um, I didn't really get a chance to do it yesterday because I was trying to make fun of it and be silly about it, you know, and add my little skit on it, which I'm sure hopefully you guys listen to it. I was doing um, Monique and D.L. Hughley with my gavel and, you know, doing a little court TV and, you know, just being creative and being funny about it. but. You know, I don't know for some reason why I'm so, you know, attached to this article. And I kept thinking, like, I'm not, I need to let it go. I need to let it go. And for some reason, I can't. So what happened was um, tonight I was in here, you know, making me something to eat. And I ran across this article with this young girl. And then I went onto YouTube and there was a link with the entire 10 minute a video of Monique rant on the stage because you know it was going through social media and everybody was posting little bits and pieces or parts that they wanted you know to edit or whatever you know to be able to have content on the subject matter but I was able to finally you know get to see it and I was like wow so I was taking notes like seriously I was taking notes from Monique to D.L. Hughley to D.L. Hughley to Monique so I was watching both videos I was watching his Facebook video and I think he did like a five-minute skit and then I was watching Monique's um video on her on the stage actually in Detroit the day of you know that night when she really made an ass of herself so I'm gonna get into that in a second but hey listen I don't know if you guys was watching or read the Daily News but I'm always on Facebook finally I was able to um you know I was released from Facebook jail you know they keep me in jail I think that Mark Zuckerberg got something against me but the noise that you hear in the background you hear a bell if you hear anything that's Coltrane in the background. He's getting big too. But I'm finally free from Facebook jail after another 30 days. So let me give myself a round of applause for that. <sighs> Sweet Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I can't stand Facebook, but I love Facebook. But anyway, so I know you, I don't know if you guys are aware that on Facebook they have different um sections. So I ran across, I'm always watching a news section. And I ran across something so disturbing with, you know, a 16-year-old girl walking into a Brooklyn juice bar. And she was stabbed in the back by a stranger. They literally showed the, the the guy. They had a video there. He literally walked, you know, kind of like ran up on her, but her back was turned. So she wasn't aware who was behind her. And he had a water bottle in one hand and literally like jabbed, like stabbed her in the back. So on the Daily News, and I'm going to post a video, you can go on to my page on Facebook at the Diva Den. I'm also going to post it on Instagram. I'm also going to post the video on TikTok. So go under Diva Den, same name, and go under those um, sites and get a, you know, the full clip of the video because I actually downloaded it. But the topic said, and like I said, I'm not going to take credibility for it. I'm actually reading it, you know, just to share with you guys to how disturbing this was to me. But on a daily news, it says that girl 16 walking into a Brooklyn juice bar, stabbed in the back by stranger, an unprovoked attack. Um, the mom mentioned that the wound was deep enough to look down onto. So Daily News goes on to say, and again, I'm not going to take credibility for it because I'm actually reading their article. So, you know, shout out to Daily News. I get no credibility, but 
this is what I just wanted to share with you guys tonight. So, so it says, a 16-year-old girl walking into a Brooklyn juice bar was stabbed in the back by a total stranger in an unprovoked attack. Starlin video released by the New York City Police Department on Wednesday shows. They do show a video, as I mentioned. If you want to see the video, please go to my pages, which is on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at the Diva Den. Okay. So the team was entering the Urban Juice Bar and Grill. It's on Rutland Road near Rockaway Parkway in Brownsville. This happened about 6 p.m. on May 22nd when her attacker, a knife in one hand and a bottle of water in the other hand, this is what he was holding, and he crept up behind her. And believe me when I tell you the video is, is oh my God, it's, it's crazy, it's dramatic. The assailant jabbed the teen in her back, left shoulder with the knife without warning, and dashed off. I'm going to tell you something. When you see that video, he didn't dash off. This motherfucker walked. From what I saw, because they give you two angles. They give you the angle, like, you know, showing her walking into it and him running up behind her, but then they give you a close-up. So again, check the video. Uh, Metis took the team to Brookdale University Hospital where she was treated and released. The Daily News is withholding her name because of age. So I thank them for that. You know, I, I really thank you for that. Thank you, Daily News. On Wednesday afternoon, cops named the suspect as Ossie Lewis, 20 years old, 20 years old. Now, the crazy thing about this whole situation is it's it's the mental health because you can look at dude and tell that he's not wrapped too tight a little bit. But I say that and I'm going to continue with the article. But, you know, I got to add my little, you know, have have say what I need to say, you know, at 20. It's like the mental health rate. They're getting younger and younger and younger. Something is going on. Something is either going on at home, something is going on out in these streets, it's something in the goddamn food, it's something in these drugs, but something in the air, something is going on because the mental health rate that it is going right now since they reopened, you know, the world, especially in New York since 2020, it has been crazy. So not only do you have to worry about police killings, uh, hate crimes, black on black crime. Uh, hate crime amongst black women, motherfuckers shooting on a train, motherfuckers shooting on a bus, getting stabbed. You can't, it's like you're not safe anymore. I've even made the conscious decision now because I love my music. And music to me, especially when I'm on any type of public transportation, is therapeutic for me, you know, because I'm I'm very scared of trains, but I have to take the train to get to work. So I'm always putting my head headphones on and I have to have them at a certain, you know, volume because it relaxes me. I can't even do that no more because I'm so scared. Like, I don't even like people sitting next to me. And I'm sure I'm not the only person that feels that way. I don't like people to sit next to me on a bus. I don't even like people to ask me for directions. When people are like, excuse me, miss, I keep walk. I walk from afar. I don't want you up on me. It's a shame. I got to look this way, that way, up, down. I'm going to tell you the other day, where did I go the other day? The other day I had gone to um, BJ's. Rob and I had gone to BJ's in Brooklyn on Remsen Avenue. I've never been to that um, BJ's before. And I had a little rant about that because I would never go there again. But I went there and I would tell you for the very first time since that Buffalo shooting in Tops, at the Tops uh, supermarket out in Buffalo about two or three weeks ago, where those 10 black people were killed, elderly people, unfortunately, due to an 18-year coward. Do you know I was I was nervous? I'm not going to lie. I was kind of, fuck it. I wasn't kind of nervous. I was scared as shit. Now, as much as I was trying to act relaxed and go through the aisles and, you know, get what I needed, I literally was, I was watching everybody. And I'm like, damn, this is, is this the new normal now? Like, 
we're not safe. We're not safe. And for this to happen to a, a random, to anybody, but to happen to a young girl, you know, thank God that it wasn't a, 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 a fatal stabbing or he didn't stab her in the head or, you know, or in her neck, anything. But it's like, you're not, we're not safe anymore. And it's like the New York, you know, like the police is like, okay, we, who cares? And then for Eric Adams, who is the new mayor, like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? This is why I don't vote anymore. I'm sorry, black people. And I know y'all are so adamant on this voting shit. Voting has never worked for black people ever. Okay. You could do your research. It's never worked. Democrat, Republican. I don't, I don't care about that no more. And I'm not, because what are we voting for? Seriously. We still can't get a hate crime bill passed after and our and our crime is done in full view and in, in our face is on camera it's on tv it's on social media they the world gets to see how we are treated and no one is still trying to push a fucking hate crime bill but they can pass a, 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 a um uh uh what's my oh god what is his name oh my god see, this is how this is what happens when i get a little upset emmett tills Y'all want to pass a lynching bill. Thank God. But at the end of the day, that was really nothing to celebrate because um, that's something that should have been done when this situation happened. Now, how often, which I know that to date in 2022, that it still existed. A lot of lynchings is going on and out in these, um, you know, these damn um, states out here, you know, all down south, you know, these Confederate and these white supremacists. I know that it exists, but you still refuse to give us the hate crime. Bill, because you know, and we all know that this is exactly what the fuck it is. So we have to be able to watch everything. None of us are safe. Black women are not safe. So with that being said, I'm going to keep continue on. So again, um, on Wednesday afternoon, cops named this fucking coward as Ozzy Lewis, 20 years old, and asked the public's help tracking him down. Pray to God that they find him. I know whoever know this coward, whoever know this young man, please, by all means, please, you know, Call in, you know, turn this motherfucker in. So the teen, the teen victim's mom, I'm not going to mention her name, told the news she was relaxing at home when she got the frightening call from the owner of the Urban Juice Bar and Grill reporting her daughter had been stabbed. Can you imagine? So thank you to, you know, um, the Urban Bar and Grill, the owner. Thank you so much for even reaching out to the parent and not, you know, shunning the young lady away. Mom, I, I can only imagine because I know how my mother felt when my brother got shot. So, you know, and, you know, he did, uh, you know, contact the mother. So this is the mom quote. Mom quote. And she said, um, mom, no, no, this is the daughter quote. Mom, I think I was stabbed. And, um, you know, she didn't seem like she had been stabbed. But, um, you know, the young lady frantically called 911. But while she was on the phone with the dispatch and ambulance and the police arrived, um, she said she then raced to the juice bar. This is the mom, you know, talking about it. And then she was calm. She felt no pain talking about the daughter. She thought he hit her. That's what she thought and said about that. That's what she said about her daughter. Um, Hicks added that when she got a chance to look at her daughter's back between her shoulder blades, it looked like someone snatched her, snatched her at first. Yet she told the news it was deep enough to look down into wow the day after the heartless attack the team bravery went back to the same store and hasn't missed a single day of classes since the injury hicks said um 
he needs to be off the streets. Um, you know, Hicks said of the assailant, I don't want to see this guy do this to anyone else. Uh, what was your mentality? You actually attacked the young girl. They do have a picture of the young lady. You know, God bless her. Um, the stabber is described as about 150 pounds with a thin, tall built, black hair, and a goatee. He was wearing a black T-shirt with a white lion image on the black gray sweatpants and white sneakers. Anyone with information is asked to call Crime Stoppers too. And you know the number, 800-577-TIPS. All calls will be kept confidential. But basically, um, the young lady is definitely recovering and, you know, it's no life-threatening, you know, damage. So thank God for that. So shout out again to the Urban um, Juice Bar. I think I just might be curious just to go in here, just to partition here, just because of the situation and show that, you know, a lot of these business owners really do, some of them don't really care about what goes on within the community. So shout out to you, Urban Juice Bar. Thank you for that. So I couldn't wait to get to this. Oh my God. Okay. So, you know, I gotta, gotta keep going with this Monique and DL Hughley rant. And I'm going to speak, you know, how I feel. And I promise you, y'all know my favorite slang. I'm going to put the nail in the coffin. I'm not going to talk about it no more. I know Rob will be so happy to know, like, thank you, Jesus. She not talking about this shit no more. Cause I actually texted him. I said, no, it's more going on. He's like, it's more. I'm like, it's more information. So what happened was I was on um, social media again today and I finally was on YouTube and got a chance to see the 10 minute video of Monique during the time of her Detroit rant and of DL Hughley on Facebook. He had like a five minute um, video on his platform where he was replying and speaking about this, the situation. Let me say this about Monique, how I feel. I have been a Monique fan from when BET did Comic View. Let me tell you why. And I'm going back about 25, 30 years ago. Um, the reason why I loved, I fell in love with Monique. For one, Monique back then was a big girl. And I was a big girl. I wasn't that big at that time, but I was a plus size girl. And I loved her confidence. I loved her comedy. And I loved how she was so unapologetic of being who she was. And in my eyes, you know, she was like my shero. And she gave a lot of us black women who were overweight or were big girls and suffering from self-esteem and didn't know who we were. And, you know, society pretty much was so mean to big girls because that was like the end thing for society to be mean to big girls. And I admired her and I loved her for that. And I, you know, was so, um, so in awe with this, with this woman. I'm like, I love her. So as years went on, anything that said Monique, I was part of it. When she officially got the role for the Parkers, that I mean, I didn't miss an episode. And in the Parkers, you got to see a big girl wearing all different types of styles, being very trendy. You know, she kept it cool and professional, but I loved her style. But with that comedic, you know, vibe and that comedic attitude and funny. And, you know, she was just so transparent, you know, so transparent. God knows she was a character. She was so animated. And I literally fell in love with Moni. My goal was always to... I got to have Monique sitting at my table on my podcast. I want to talk to Monique. I want to talk to Monique. So as the years and years went on, she did the Parkers. Then when she went to do the Queens of the Carmody, that just signed and silk and delivered the fucking package. Definitely in love. Everything was Monique, Monique. Then my girl went and did the damn movie Fat Girls with that fine ass African. So Monique was on a roll, honey. Monique was every black woman. And I'm not excluding any white girls, but you know, you got to give us this. This is our time. Monique was every black big girl shero. We all, she was the reason that gave so many women 
empowerment. She gave them confidence. You know, we literally and seriously, you know, went up and, and you know, and felt good about who we were, who we are. You know, we were now wearing thongs and wearing nice skirts. We wasn't afraid to show our stomachs. We wasn't afraid to show our curves. And, and it gave us such sex appeal. And she, I can honestly say, she was the reason why a lot of brothers was like, nah, big girls is in. Like she really got to show that because you're big doesn't mean that you don't have sex appeal because I'm like that too. I'm like, I don't care how big you are. Everybody has sex appeal. You got to find what works for you and keep it sexy and classy, right? So she was everybody's idol. She was that it girl from Baltimore, how she say from Baltimore, <laughs> but from Baltimore had the, you know, the roundaway girl, the ghetto attitude, but she was about her business. So I was like, this is my chick. Like I love Monique. So she went from the Parkers and she just went to Excel to do plenty of things. She did the movie Push. I read the book Push by Sapphire my first year of college. That was my college year book I had to read in my class, along with The Color Purple, along with I Know Why the Caseburg Sang, along with some other books that my um, teacher had given us at the time. And I remember reading, I read that book in like 2.3 seconds. And I'm going to tell you, when I found out that they were doing a movie, and found out that Sapphire appointed Monique to this shit, I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to kill it. Because I remember the book. So, you know, that was my girl. She won the Oscars and boom, darkness, you know, all of a sudden it's this dark cloud. I was team Monique for so long because when she was explaining the situation, the beef between her and Lee Daniels and then Tyler Perry jumped on the bandwagon, Oprah Winfrey jumped on the bandwagon. Now everybody is attacking Monique. I was team Monique. And anybody that knew me, that know me, and I had those conversations with, I was team fucking Monique. I was like, fuck that. She ain't wrong. And Oprah Winfrey get the fuck. I mean, I was going hard. Then after a while, you know, Steve Harvey, I was even mad at Steve Harvey. Like, how are you going to tell her she needs to know the game? You know, you got to know how to play the game. This is him when he had his show. And this shit happened like, like two weeks before they fired his ass on NBC. So I was kind of like, aha, good for you. Now you know how I feel, you know, to not play the game or whatever. So let's fast forward. Now we are here. You, no, no, let me go back because I, I and, and I was following her on all the platforms, her and Sydney, her husband, AKA daddy, you know, following them. They on all these talk shows, all these platforms. They even had their own YouTube channel where they were really, you know, talking about Hollywood. Then she had to be for Netflix. She felt that Netflix wanted to, didn't want to pay her so much. So it was just so much going on. It was the, it, it was the repetitious behavior. You know, she's constantly, everybody's saying she's being combative and like my, you know, like sister, um, what was the mother name from the um, Prince of Bel-Air? Like Vivian said to Will Smith when they finally talked, she said, the worst thing that you can say about a black woman in Hollywood and put in Hollywood's ear is say that a black woman is difficult because what that does is that they put them on a, you know, on blacklist. So Monique was named as difficult. Again, me, team Monique. I'm old, y'all. That's right, Monique girl. And, you know, I'm team Monique. I'm on her team. I'm like, fuck that. She ain't wrong. You know, and I was also inspired because me as a black woman too, you know, I'm going to stand 10 toes down. You know, you're not, you know, it's for so much you're going to do, so much you're going to say to me. You know, if I feel that something is, you know, is unjust to me and I feel that, you know, you're doing something to try to, you know, um, sabotage my career or whatever, I'm going to stand up on that. Now we get to this shit where she done showed her ass. So I'm just going to recap. And like I said, always I'll put the nail in the coffin. I will not talk about it again. So now we get to this, this quarrel and this shit with Han D.L. Hughley. So I got to watch the YouTube video tonight. And I'll be honest with you, I'm very, very, very disappointed in Monique. 
I'm so disappointed, Monique, that I don't even know if I'm going to be team Monique going forward. Because like everybody is saying, when is it enough? Just when motherfuckers just started to give you your flowers, just when you just started to get your foot in the door. And I'm not talking about Hollywood. I don't give a fuck about it. Hollywood don't care about black people. I don't care about Hollywood. I'm just talking about now when the storm is over, everything is calm. You know, you're really out there now. You're about to be on 50 Cent Show. Lee Daniels came on stage. I don't remember where you guys were recently, but he came on the stage. He apologized to you in front of the audience and mentioned that, you know, more movies to come. So I'm thinking we don't sing Kumbaya. Monique is in a really, really good space. And it made me feel like all of the rant, you know, all the shit that she was going through and all the shit that she put out there, I was like, it's finally paying off. People really get it. They understand it. I thank Sydney for being her backbone. And I really was 14, Monique. This bitch gonna go on this stage. First of all, I let me tell you what I did. I have to, as a podcast, I have to do what the fuck works for me. I had to write down bullets to put quotes. So let's go. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to end this in 2.3 seconds. What I was upset about. So when I watched this video, I saw when Monique was going back and forth across the stage, talking to the audience. Then she got into the contract. This woman went off first. And then let's all remember, Monique rant was because she wasn't the open headliner. She felt because she had 30 years in the business, she should open up the headline. She should be open headliner. I found out why it was so important because for what I learned and what I researched was, that as an open headliner, you get paid more money. Okay, got it. It's not what you do, it's how you do it. If you are known or it's ingrained in people's heads around the world when it comes to producers and, and, and you know productions and all this shit, if you already got a sour taste in their mouth about you and you're trying to... See, the thing is you can't stand strong and wrong. So during this night, this bitch was standing strong and wrong on so many levels. So you get on the stage, you get in front of an audience. Now, let me tell you, because like I said, I'm, I'm going to talk around it, but I'm going to get to the point because my mind be going. I'm going to tell you something. I had to work in an environment one time where I didn't give a fuck about none of the staff. I felt, you know, the wrath. I felt, you know, the subs. I felt people were not on the team. People were setting me up to fail. And this is when I was a director of admissions. So this was an opportunity for them to try to get me to fail because the position was pulled that went to another girl. But because my numbers was always consistent and I was able to get my students in, get them packaged and do what I need to do. I was basically like out of the top three, I was I was one of, one of the top three. And then the consistency and then the leadership and then with your attitude and then with how you going above and beyond to not only help yourself to meet your quota, but to help the team itself. Where the team may have fell short 10 to 15 numbers for us to meet our budget, me and the other two, which put us in the top three, the three of us was collectively going, we was over our numbers just to meet. So this is, I earned that. And I understood that, okay, as much as I would go outside at the time and smoke my cigarettes and talk shit about everybody, including management, but when I came into work, it was business. So I'm saying that to say, if my problem was with management, I went to management. If my problem was with a colleague, I would go in the office and knock on the door. Hi, you got a minute? Close the door and we have that conversation. I didn't just go in and create a hostile environment. I didn't go into the workplace and I'm ranting and raving all over the place because what happens is that not only makes you unproductive, but that pretty much trickled down on a team. 
So I'm saying that to say this woman goes on the stage. First of all, she was going on about how she got 30 plus years and this motherfucker. And I don't open up for no goddamn body. I don't open up for no goddamn body. That's her quote. Then she goes on to say, D.L. Hewley decided that um, I won't perform if she does that. She called this brother a bitch ass nigga. She must have called him the nigga word about 25, 30 times. I lost count. Then she mentions about an event that he attended at her house years ago. Your feet was under my table. Your feet was under my table. You, you know, I guess her point to that was for him, for, for him to even say that he's going to close as a headliner, she looking at him like, you know, I let you come to my house. I don't understand how that's irrelevant to the contract or to the situation, right? So now, um, then she goes on to say, what does DL stand for? Monique, you was reaching and you was questioning that man's sexuality and that was wrong. You was dead wrong for that. Then you go on and say, how far you are bending over DL? I said, wow. Like, like I said, I didn't watch the whole thing, but I said, wow. And I'm like, unbelievable, unbelievable guys. So I'm like, okay. Then she goes on talking about how people didn't like her husband and how the husband, you know, was doing so much. Y'all got to excuse me one second. My dog done got this damn mousetrap. Come here. Done got the mousetrap stuck on his foot. And this is what, <laughs> yeah. this is what I'm saying. He's always, this is my, this is Coltrane. He done stepped on the mousetrap anyway, but I got him. So she goes on to say, um, talking about his family, talking about the wife said that, and I'm going to quote what she said to the audience. How does a wife suck a coward's dick? When I tell you, hold on one second, this right here. And. That's, you know, you're wrong. I said, yo, this bitch is reaching. That, let me tell you something. That, that whole performance that I saw on that stage, that is mental health at its best. Monique is broken. Monique is going to continue to commit career suicide to where she going to wind up just like fucking Aunt Vivian from off of um, Fresh and Prince of Bel-Air. Ain't nobody going to know she exists. That you, I'm telling you, if anybody is listening, you could send it to Monique, you could tag it to this bitch. You owe that brother, his wife, you owe all of them a fucking apology. How dare you? How dare you? And I look at her so different now. And it hurts me because I'm like, Monique, over a, a headliner contract, be it whatever it was. It's no different than what I said about Chris Rock. And, and Will Smith, that's something Will could approach behind the scenes. But again, black people with the fucking buffoonery and with the fuckery, we don't have no problem going out in public and tearing each other down, not only in front of each other, but in front of the fucking world. This is why we are never, ever going to be respected. This is why we have to go above and beyond and fight the fucking powers to try to prove or to try to get to where we need to be because of the self-hate and how we hate each other. I hit a point there. I, I, I like that. Let me clap my hands on that. So, Moni, you owe D.L. Hughley a major apology. Then I went over to D.L. Hughley video. My man. 
Only D.L. Hughley know how to shut it down in such an educational, elegant way. Now, I'm going to tell you, D.L. Hughley, I'm learning a lot of a different vocabulary because of you. Because a few words he used, I had to use, I had to look that shit up. <laughs> Seriously. So D.L. Hughley goes on on his platform and he was saying he was a little apprehensive in the beginning to work with Monique. But, you know, after speaking with a few people, they was like, you know what? Give it a try. So he decided, you know what? Let me do a few gigs with her, you know? And like he said, now he knows what Tyler Perry, Lee Daniels, Oprah Winfrey, Charlamagne Tha God, Steve Harvey, and Netflix. Now he knows what they meant about Monique. Saying This is exactly what he quoted. This is D.L. Hewley quote. Saying yes to Monique is an occupational hazard. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. I had to go look that shit up because it was so powerful. And when you hear hazard, you already know ain't nothing good about a hazard. Even the goddamn Dukes of Hazard show, you know, they was out, you know, trying to fight crime and shit. So I had to do some research of the meaning of occupational hazard. And oh my God, that shit falls under five categories. Have no fear because your girl done wrote down the damn five meanings. First meaning of an occupational hazard is physical safety hazard. So that's physical. So physically, she ain't, you know, she, she, she's a hazard. Chemical. When I hear chemical, I'm thinking of mental hazard. Biological hazard. I'm thinking of, you know, biologically, it can be in your genes. It can be anything. Physical hazard. And then he mentioned a word, which is called ergonomic. Let me tell y'all something. Fuck y'all. Because I had to write the word down to pronounce it right. I pronounce it as ergonomic. 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 Got it, y'all. Don't laugh at me. But ergonomic has it. Let me tell you when I looked up that word ergonomic. I said, this damn D.L. Hughley going to help a sister with 